Next Level. Yeah. Hey, my name is Matt Keller. I am the lead pastor here at Next Level Church. Just want to say welcome to part four of our Picture Perfect series. Man, we are loving this series. I'm just so excited about so much of the feedback that we're getting. And, and here's why. Because our heart behind doing a series like this has, has been from the beginning all about giving so many of us permission to go behind the perfect picture, to, to set so many of us hopefully free from the guilt and the pressure that we feel when we see everybody else's, you know, perfect little family picture on Facebook or whatever. It's like, listen, here's what we're discovering in this series, right? We're discovering that everybody else is no more perfect than our family they're just better liars than we are. That's the fact of the matter, right? So listen, I, I love this series. This is Baptism Weekend here at Next Level Church, and I just am so excited about what we're going to experience in all five of our weekend environments this week. Just, just absolutely pumped that we're going to get to hear the stories of life change, celebrate those stories of life change together. If you've never been a part of a Baptism Weekend, get ready because it is, it is a ton of fun. It's exciting, and, and to just get to celebrate as a family of God what God has done in our midst in the lives of so many people this weekend is just going to be incredible. Now, of course, you're probably wondering, some of you, okay, Matt, that's cool and all, but what does baptism have to do with family? I mean, come on, bro, which is a legitimate question, to which my answer would be this, everything. Because, see, baptism is all about uh, somebody testifying and, and going public, if you will, of putting their faith in Jesus Christ imperfections and all. So here's what that means. That means in a few minutes when we watch so many of you take the plunge and, and get dunked in the pool, what we're celebrating is not perfect people. These are not picture perfect people. None of us are. What we're celebrating this weekend is the grace and love and mercy and forgiveness of God on display in every single one of our lives. That's what this is about. That's why I love baptism. That's what I think baptism has to do with this idea of family. I remember when I got baptized, I was uh, 16 years of age. I was sprinkled uh, in, in more of a traditional church as an infant, but that obviously didn't mean anything because I was an infant. Uh, but it, when, so when I put my faith in Christ as a teenager, I, I was up in a, a church in Indiana. Uh, I just, I knew, like I knew that I needed to get baptized. And so we set the whole thing up. It was a Wednesday night church service. And so I invited a bunch of my family and friends to come. See. I remember I had like a yellow, a bright yellow t-shirt on and bright green umbro shorts. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? Awesome. Not because I played soccer, because I played sand volleyball, because that's how you roll in rural Indiana, baby. Boom. Anyway, all of that, wardrobe aside, that night marked me forever. Like, I'll never forget the night, the day of my baptism. Like, it meant so much, and I can't, I, I can't even believe that for so many of you, I just believe the same thing is going to happen with you as we celebrate Baptism Weekend together. So let's talk about that for a few minutes. What does baptism have to do with family? What, what does it have to do with family? Three things in particular. If you want to make a note or write these things down, I would love that. The first one is this. Baptism is all about the family of God. Let me take a minute and, and kind of unpack that for us. Baptism is all about the family of God. See, when we study the Bible, which we believe is the inspired word of God, we believe that the Bible is clear that when you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are accepted into the family of God. 
there's a verse in, in Galatians chapter 4 where the, the great apostle Paul is writing to a, a community of believers, a church in Galatia, a lot, a lot like us. And in Galatians chapter 4, look at verse 4. I love how he says this. He, he says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, I'll explain that in a minute, that we might receive adoption to sonship. I love that phrase, adoption to sonship. He continues, verse six, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So, look at this part, you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God made you also an heir. Okay, what's going on here? Here's what's happening. Basically, up until the time of Jesus, all of mankind had been bound up by sin. And because of sin, as Paul writes there, we, we were slaves to sin. We were slaves underneath the law. In other words, there was nothing we could do to be good enough or to try hard enough or, or to work our way into the good graces of God. That up until Jesus came, all of mankind was a slave to sin. But, and I love this, you got to get this. When Jesus came and died on the cross as payment for our sin, he gave us the ability to no longer be bound up in sin, no longer be slaves or orphans is another word for, we were no longer orphaned, but instead through Jesus, check this out, you and I were given the ability to be adopted into the family of God. So there's no longer this weight of guilt. There's no longer this weight of sin, this heavy burden. And here's what I understand. I understand that there's probably many of us who've come into this place this weekend into one of our services, and you, you grew up in a home where no matter what you did, it was never good enough. No matter how hard we tried, no matter how great of grades we had, no matter how well we performed, we never heard our mom or our dad. We never heard our teachers or our coaches or anyone, authority figure, if you will, in our life ever affirm us. And for some of us listening this weekend, I recognize that there's probably this, this humongous, overwhelming weight that lives on our shoulders. Because we understand that in our family, that's not how it worked. In our family, you had to be perfect, and even then, we aren't about to acknowledge it. But see, that's why Jesus came. He came to relieve us of the weight of that kind of, of burden and of sin. We're no longer orphans, the Bible says. You and I are the sons and daughters of God. I love this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says, I will be a father to you. And you will be, look at this, my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That's what today is all about. Today is all about celebrating so many of us who are no longer orphaned, no longer slaves to sin, no longer bound up by the law, no longer living under this, this tremendous weight and burden, perhaps, that was put on us in childhood. This weekend, baptism is all about celebrating so many of us who've been adopted in to the family of God. That's what baptism's got to do with family. Number two, if you want to write this down, baptism is all about the grace of God. Baptism is all about 
the grace of God. And here's the thing about the grace of God. The grace of God affects every area of our life. So in just a few minutes today, in in whatever service you're in this weekend, listen, we're going to hear stories of God's grace working in people's lives. And some of the things we're going to hear them say are things like, well, you know, uh, God just restored my marriage. You know, once I put my faith in Christ and God started to work in my life, suddenly my relationship that was, was estranged and distant with my kids, God put that back together. God delivered me from, from my addiction, whatever it is. Listen, we're going to hear those stories. You know why? Because the grace of God is not just about eternal life insurance. That yes, we believe that the Bible is clear that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that it gives us an assurance to know that when we die, we'll spend an eternity with God in heaven through Jesus Christ. We believe that's true, but that's not all that the grace of God does for us in our lives. The grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God in our life, affects every other area of our lives as well. And that's why we're going to hear so many of you share your stories this weekend and talk about how other areas of our lives have been impacted because we've invited Jesus into our heart, into our lives, into the process. A few uh, weeks ago, uh, some of you know this, my my youngest son, Drew, uh, who's nine, almost ten, he loves to cook, and the truth is, he's actually like he's a he's a pretty gifted little chef. Like he's into like he's he's good at it. Some of you have seen his cake pops or experienced those, which are just um, what's the word amazing. Uh, but anyway, so a few weeks ago we were making strawberry smoothies around the house. So Drew, you know, he's getting it all together, and he's got the blender, and he's making it happen. You know, so we we do the whole smoothie thing and it blends the whole thing. And so they pour it in the glass and then they, we put whipped cream on the top of it. And so I got mine. I was sitting on the couch and they brought it over and I got mine. And then Drew got his uh, and he has, you know, the strawberry smooth and then the whipped cream on the top. And he comes over and he sits down next to me. Now for me, when I eat a strawberry smoothie like that, uh, just in case you want to know, uh, I like to, to leave the whipped cream on the top, you know, and take a little of that and then a little of the strawberry. You know what I'm talking, come on, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and you get the, you know, it's, it's, it's got the right proportions to it. And so I'm just kind of getting after it, you know, whatever. And I look over at Drew and he's got his big spoon in there and he's going, mm, and he's blended in his whipped cream with the strawberries. And I'm like, buddy, what are you doing? You know, don't you want to keep them separate? And he's like, no. I like it all mixed up. I like it all blended together. And I'm like, well, whatever. I don't care, right? So, but okay, watch. Here's, here's, here's the point. The point is, Jesus is not just an add-on to our life. Jesus is not just something we do on a to-do list on Saturday nights or on Sundays. God, his intention is, is to be in relationship with us, that it's not about us just checking a box or, or, or adding a little something on top of our life when it's convenient. Listen, to be in relationship with Jesus Christ is to have Jesus infiltrate every part of our being. It's about all of us. It's a whole life deal. That's what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. And it's not just something that we sit on top of our life. It's something that gets just just stirred into every fiber of our being. There's an interesting story uh, in the Bible. It was actually at the Last Supper, so the night before Jesus is crucified. And he's sharing one last meal. We would know it as the Last Supper with his disciples. 
And Jesus did an interesting thing at the start of that whole encounter. When Jesus came into the room, the disciples were there and they had prepared this, you know, this, this meal together. And when Jesus walks in as a, as a symbol, as an act of, of servanthood to his disciples, he grabs a basin of water and he grabs a towel and he starts to go around to all of the disciples and wash their feet. And as he's going around the table and he's washing their feet on this night, the last night together, this last meal together, when he gets to Peter, who was one of like the inner three, like one of Jesus's inner circle, when he gets to Peter, Peter resists a little bit. He kind of pushes back and he's like, no, 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 Lord, no, 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 no. And they end up having this really interesting exchange. I want you to look at this. This is, this is so powerful. John chapter 13, verse five, look what it says. After that, he, speaking of Jesus, poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around. In verse 6, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Peter was, it was like, no, 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 we're not doing this. You're the, you're the Lord. You're the Messiah. You're the boss. I'm not, I should be washing your feet. You're not going to wash. Peter pushes back. Lord, you sh- are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, look, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Verse 8, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. He's, he's indignant. He's like, no. Look at Jesus' answer. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then look what Peter says back. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. In that moment, Peter pushes back. He's like, no, you should not be washing my feet. This is all backward. And then all of a sudden, it clicks when Jesus kind of pushes back on him, it just, it clicks and Peter gets it. Oh, this is symbolic that Jesus is the one who's going to wash us clean. He's going to, he's going to dunk us. He's going to cleanse us of our sin. And all of a sudden Peter gets it and he goes, well, Lord, if that's the case, then I don't want you to just wash my feet. Wash all of me, man. I want to go head first into the pool of your grace and of your love and of your mercy and of your forgiveness. Peter understood that that a relationship with Jesus is about being accepted into the family of God. It's about embracing the grace of God, not just in some small part of us, not just in some small area of our life. When we come into a relationship with Jesus, it is something that is to consume every area of our life, not just to sit on top, but to get stirred into every fiber of our being. Number three, what's baptism got to do with family? It's this, baptism is all about forgiveness. And forgiveness is a family value. See, the Bible makes it clear that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven, forgiven of our sin. And here's what I believe. I believe the family of God, a a church like this, a community like this, should be the most grace-filled, forgiving place on the planet. And it thrills my heart as a pastor, as someone, as a voice of influence that so many of you have allowed to speak into your life. I'm telling you, it never gets old to hear the stories of so many of you who have felt that, who have experienced that here, that God has used this place. We're going to hear about it in just a few minutes from so many of you who are getting baptized this weekend of, of how God has used a place like Next Level Church to open your heart up to the grace and the mercy, the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That's what the family of God 
is all about being a place that says, you know what, we love you, imperfections and all. You're welcome here. The grace of Jesus is good here. You're forgiven here. You're forgiven here. I understand that it's possible that there's some of us who've come into this place, and as you look back over your life, you realize that some of the decisions that we've made, some of the things we've done have hurt some people. And when we start talking about this forgiveness thing, it messes with us a little bit. Here's why, because I think it's possible that some of us are struggling to forgive ourselves. We've come into this place and we hear a message like this and we feel love and acceptance and even forgiveness on some level, but we can't seem to find a way to forgive ourselves somehow, some way, because we've blown up a marriage or two and we've done permanent damage to a, a, a child or two or three or a relationship. Listen, here's what I know. I know we can't undo the past. We can't undo what's already been done. But we can reach a place, maybe even this weekend, where we let ourselves off the hook. There's this story in John chapter 8 where Jesus is in the height of his ministry. And the Pharisees, the religious guys of the day, were trying to trap him. They were trying to, you know, always trying to back Jesus into a corner. And so they catch a woman in the act of adultery. And so they get this idea, well, let's, let's take her to Jesus and see what Jesus says, which I think it's interesting that they caught a woman in the act of adultery, but they only brought the woman because, as I understand adultery, it usually takes two people. But they bring this woman out. So the religious crowd, they, the leaders, they bring this woman out, and there's Jesus teaching, and they throw her right in the middle of the thing, and they look at Jesus, and they basically go, Jesus, the law of Moses says, oh, for a woman like this, who's done these things, who's caused this much damage to herself and to our society and to our community and to others, she should be stoned to death. What do you say? And they're trying to pin him down. They're trying to back him into a corner. And so there's Jesus with this woman, who's clearly in the wrong. And Jesus begins to look at those religious leaders of the day, and he says to them, you know what? Whoever is here, whose life is picture perfect, you go first. You throw the first stone. So here are all these religious guys gathered around, rocks in hand. And then the Bible records that Jesus knelt down in the sand and he started to write something with his finger. And the Bible doesn't tell us what exactly he wrote, only that as he was writing in the sand and this woman's there before him, suddenly one by one by one, these religious guys who looked like their lives were picture perfect started to drop their rocks until all of them went away. And then... After all of the accusers had dispersed, Jesus and this woman have this incredible exchange. Look at this, John chapter 8, verse 9. At this, those who heard began to go away at one, at one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you? 
And then look at this next phrase. Look what Jesus says to her. Go now and leave your life of sin. In other words, in that moment, Jesus looked at that woman whose life was messed up, who had done harm to herself, to others, to her family, to her reputation, to her community. And Jesus looked on and he said, they're not condemning you. I'm not condemning you. Now, from here on, you don't get to condemn you either. See, I believe it's possible that there are some of us who've come into this place this weekend and we've been struggling to forgive ourselves. We feel chained to our past. I've often heard this illustration of, uh, you know, when, when a circus trains an elephant, they tie a chain to one of their legs and then they hook it to a big, you know, steel pipe that's down anchored in the ground. And for several weeks or months, whatever it is, that whenever the elephant tries to walk away, it, the chain pulls until eventually after several weeks, the elephant just stops trying to walk away. Well, over time, they can unhook that chain from the pipe that's in the ground and just hook it to a small little weight that creates just a tiny little piece of tension on the elephant's leg. And from that point on, for the rest of its life, even though it could wander away at any time, it's free to go. Because of that little tension that's on it, it thinks it's still bound. And see, I believe it's possible some of us are here this weekend in one of our services, and that's exactly how you feel. You feel like, man, I mean, God's forgiven me, other people have forgiven me, but we just can't seem to forgive ourselves. Well, guess what? Today's your day. Today is the day where we say, you know what? No more chains. No more chains. We're free to go. We're free to live how God wants us to live. We're free to be less than perfect. We can't undo what's been done. But we can go forward from here in freedom, unchained to the past. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this opportunity this weekend to be in this place and to hear about this message of forgiveness. God, thank you that water baptism is that outward symbol of, of, of a life that's been changed by your grace, by your mercy, by your forgiveness, and by the family of God. Father, I pray for each one of us who've struggled to forgive ourselves that this weekend we might step across that line Embrace your forgiveness and leave this place different than we've ever been before. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed in every service said, amen.